The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot see. Your stories don't define you, but how you tell them will. I'm your host, Sarah Elkins, and I call myself the chief story maker at Elkins Consulting. Because in order to have really good stories, meaningful stories to share, you kind of have to start making them and noticing things in your life that you can use as stories, the meaningful ones. Because the epic ones, they have a place, but they don't always connect in the way that you want to connect. Quick reminder for the listeners who are interviewing for jobs, I know it's hard sometimes to apply what you've done in the past to what you want to do in the future. And our new course, Get Hired Job Interview Storytelling, is available now. It includes the online course and small group storytelling practice sessions. Visit elkinsconsulting.com for more information. I'm eager to get started today and record this episode with Natalie Lucier. We met through a variety of platforms, both LinkedIn and also via email. And um, I know, listeners, you're going to find her stories entertaining, inspiring, and definitely motivating to take that next step. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm excited to share some fun stories. Well, I was just about to get started with my first start with, and then I suddenly noticed the brilliant yellow color in the room behind you. And I just had to point that out because our listeners can't see it. Uh, Listeners, she's sitting in this brightly colored bright yellow room, and it just exudes joy for some reason. And I just have to point that out before we get started. So thank you. (laughs) Natalie, um, you know that I love to start by asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people don't know about them. I do that so that our listeners get a different perspective of you so that when you're telling your stories, they have a framework that might give them more depth and understanding of the the complexity of our humanness? Yeah. So when I thought about this question, the story that kind of came to mind is, you know, I was a young child, like a lot of young children are, you know, uh, enrolled in different programs. And my parents enrolled me in piano lessons. And that very first piano lesson, we got Uh, you know, a little sheet with some music on it. And we got a blank notebook with lines on it. And, you know, I got just a very basic introduction of what piano is and like the notes and things like that. And then I went home and I kind of copied what I saw in the sheet music into the notebook. And I kind of made my own songs. And when I brought it back with me to the teacher the next day, the teacher was completely floored. And she was like, I've never had a student do this before. This must be like a musical genius. And, you know, my mom was like, well, I don't know, like what happened? (laughs) And for me, I remember hearing her saying that. And I was like, no, I'm not special. I just, you just gave me a blank notebook. And that just for me meant I had to fill it in. And so it wasn't like a homework assignment or anything like that. I didn't have like the musical gene or anything to write like this perfect song. It was just, I thought I was supposed to do that. And I feel like that's something that, you know, in life, we kind of do the things that we think we're supposed to do a lot of times. And uh, sometimes going off the beaten path can also be great. Oh, I love that. And are you still, do you still continue with your piano playing? 
unfortunately, no. I definitely, you know, got pretty good at it. I did it for a few years, enjoyed it, but I didn't love the practicing part. So I was sort of complaining, you know, again, as young kids do. <laughs> and uh-huh. I didn't really uh, want to keep pursuing it. So I ended up doing other things like martial arts, actually. Um, that is something that I stuck to for over a decade as well. Wow. Wow. There's so many applications to that story. The first thing I thought of was when given a blank piece of paper, I think um, people go one way or the other. They go your way where they just feel compelled to fill it, or they go the opposite way where they freeze because they think there's too much space, too many opportunities. And um, it reminds me also of the book, The Reluctant Creative that my friend, Dr. Caroline Brookfield recently published. And it talks about the two different kinds of creativity, the kinds within and without constraints. And when I read that book, the first thing I thought of is that my one of our sons and I are the people who see a blank page and are like, whoo, what am I going to do with it? And we get super excited and we just kind of make up our own rules because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Nobody gave us a box to get into. So as far as we know, and, um, and then my husband and our other son are far more creative with constraints. So when they have a box, they know how to think around it. And um, there are times when we're both, of course, when we're one or the other, and, and we can explore other ways. But it seems to me that there's so much room for collaboration with those two different kinds of creativity. So that's what came to mind with your story of the blank page. I love that. Yeah. And definitely in my life, it's, there's times where it's easy to just, yes, like there's a blank page, there's a blank cursor, you know, open document, let's just go for it. And other times where it's like, oh, wait, what am I supposed to do? I need some direction here. So yeah, I think that's, that's an awesome observation of there's more than one approach to these things. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. It also reminded me, and we talked about this briefly before we hit record, that a lot of my clients and a lot of the listeners of this podcast um, are in that transition transformation phase of their lives where they're, I describe it as in two ways. I have two different analogies for it. One is when you walk into a restaurant, you're so hungry. You're overwhelmingly hungry. You didn't even know you were hungry until you started smelling the food at this restaurant. You And, and you've been feeding everybody else. So you didn't even, you know, it doesn't even comprehend this underlying hunger until it got overwhelming and painful. And then you walk into a restaurant and there are a hundred items on the menu. And it's so overwhelming to see all of these options that you just walk out hungry. Mm. And that's that blank page for some people. And the other analogy I use is when you're standing at the doorway of an institution Behind you is your life, the way that you know it, all the comfort and familiarity of the institution in front of you is wide open space, the blank page. And again, there are those of us, depending on where we are in our lives and and who we have in our circle, that we just take the first step and go and figure we can change our minds later. But then there are the others that are so comfortable in that, that they will stay there until something either shoves them out which unfortunately happens more often than not, or we get so uncomfortable because it's so dark in there and we're outgrowing it that we finally have so much pain that we take that step. So 
let's dive into what you do now. But instead of just telling me and telling our listeners what you do, tell a story about a recent experience with um, your work, your income producing activity that really gave you that satisfaction of, of knowing that you're in the right place. Yeah. So I recently had a very sort of full circle uh, experience in in our business. So we run a software company, and my husband and I, and um, we basically, I studied software engineering in school. So it seems like the very natural path for me <laughs> to, to have a software company, but it was not a direct path. Um, and in fact, I kind of realized during my university years, I was an intern. So I worked at a bunch of different tech companies, startup companies, a little bit on Wall Street. And I, during those internships, I realized I don't want to do this. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> feel like this was the right thing for me. So when I graduated, I actually didn't take a job offer that I had received to go work on Wall Street. I just started my first business right out of college. And it was not the software company that we have today. It was uh, just me trying to figure out, you know, I, I wasn't really into healthy eating. So I was listening to like, follow your passion kind of advice. So I decided to start that business first. Um, but recently we started uh, hiring paid interns from the school that we graduated from. And so we've been hiring all of these awesome developers and marketers from the same school that we went to. And uh, some of them also are graduating and then joining our company full time as well. And so it's really been cool to be able to mentor people like myself, <laughs> you know, from way back in the day um, who are in these fields and maybe don't feel like the corporate environment is quite right for them or the jobs, the other types of jobs that they've had have been, um, you know, aligned for them values wise or otherwise. So that to me is kind of, you know, a highlight of what we've been able to do with our, with our company and then being able to sort of give back and offer more opportunities to people um, kind of like how we used to be and how, how we were way back. Right. in. The day. <laughs> That's so cool. So what was, what was it in that, I don't know, in which internship, what was the situation where you dismissed the whole career path because of that job? And I ask that because so many of us give up on something because it's the wrong time and wrong person, wrong place. So for instance, like um, I have a client who started in, in, um, accounting and had such a bad job in that field that she just scrapped the whole idea, even though she really liked doing the work, but she decided that it was all like that. Or you hear people that decide to go for counseling. Finally, they finally realize that they need to go for counseling. They have two appointments with one counselor and they give up entirely, not knowing that sometimes you got to shop around, you got to find the right one that's going to have the impact. So what was your experience that made you go, oh, I'm not doing this. This is not my thing. Oh, I love that question and the examples that you shared because yeah, the, it was definitely the specific scenarios. So I remember one of the tech startups I was working at, it was being sued by IBM and there were layoffs while I was there. And you know, we were interns. So they basically just wrote down people's names on the board and said, if your name is not on here, go pick up your stuff. 
um, and you're you're gone, right? And I remember we, our names were not on that board. We were like, what about interns? Like, what are you know? Are we not being considered? Are we being sent home too? And so we were all fine. Luckily, um, they kept us on for the rest of our term, but that was a big wake up call of like, oh, okay. And then I do have to also mention it was like the 2007, 2008 kind of era. So, um, you know, it was definitely that time of the, of the cycle, I guess, if you will. Um, and so also another, um, co-op program, you know, another internship that I had was on wall street and they had also laid off a bunch of people that I had worked with while still offering me a job. And I was like, how long am I going to have this job for if they're laying people off? At the same time as they're offering, you know, these new people jobs, right? So there is definitely this, um, you know, I didn't feel like it was as safe of an option as everyone kind of assumed, right? So I, because I had worked there, I knew it wasn't as stable, and I knew there was kind of um, a lot of turbulence, if you will. And it felt like a good time to start my business was before I had kids, before I had a mortgage, before I had all those things. So I was like, well, yes, and yes. why not just try it and see what happens? And yeah, so that was kind of what was going on in my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And again, it generates all these ideas in my head. And the first is, um, it, it sounds to me like part of it was the, the lack of security. I don't know. What I know about you as an entrepreneur is that that wasn't the whole thing. Like that was, do you, do you need security? Can you find something else? I'm resourceful. I'm resilient. I'll find something else if I get fired. It sounds to me because you're such an empathetic person that it was more the environment than it was the work. It was if people can treat each other so shitty, I don't want to be part of that industry. It's, I can't tell you how many real estate agents have been like, no, the one that sold us our house 20 something years ago, she lasted one year in real estate and went, I loved what I did. I love my clients, but man, that environment is really unpleasant. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when I think back to those times, I could kind of see myself, you know, 40, 50 years in the future and looking back and saying like, oh, like, I'm so like regretting having gone through all of that. And, and also like, definitely, I, you know, some of my coworkers were um, super stressed out, like, you know, having heart attacks and like all these issues. Right. So it was like, it just did not feel like this is a healthy long-term decision for me. Um, and definitely, you know, we've used that. We, we say a lot of times, you know, in our company, we're building the company that we want to work for. And so that means like, we recently moved to like a four day work week. Um, we do other things to kind of really support our people and, and ourselves and our own, you know, mental and, you know, actual physical health too. Um, because yeah, like we don't want people having heart attacks. We don't want people, uh, having major issues when they're working with us. So, yeah. So you redefined the culture for, um, an industry really for yourselves to make sure that what you experienced wasn't what your employees would ever experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my husband uh, did not take the same path as me. He ended up working, you know, in corporate. He was, uh, 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 what is it called? Uh oh, I'm blanking. Uh, <laughs> he was a consultant. So, yeah, so he did uh, a lot of consulting and uh, he was working crazy hours. Like he, was going gray, really young, and just like traveling almost every single week for his work. 
And I was like, once my business was successful enough, I was like, okay, you got to get out of that. <laughs> and, and then that's how we kind of ended up starting our software company is because he quit his job and uh, joined, joined me once we had enough kind of stability in, in that business. And then we kind of bootstrapped our way to the software company that we have today. So I would love to know, thank you for, first of all, for sharing that because understanding that we don't all have the luxury to just choose something else. Um, mm-hmm. I remember being stuck in a really abusive situation at work and I was bringing home the health insurance because my husband was self-employed. And I remember feeling like I just didn't have the luxury to leave. Um, so I hear that and I appreciate that aspect of the story. Second, <laughs> what problem were you solving with this software? What was the thing that went that the the light bulb for you too, that you could do something that there was a need for and where you could where you could do something with impact, positive impact. Because clearly that's a huge part of your mission. Absolutely. So with the software, so it's a WordPress plugin that helps people who have online courses, memberships, and communities. And it did not start off that broad. (laughs) So the reason that we initially wrote the software is because I was selling online courses in my very first uh, or first few kind of business iterations, I'll call it. And uh, we had this very popular challenge and people were coming to the website the website was crashing because of the plugin that we had for our courses. And, you know, there weren't that many options at the time um, for doing that. So we were like, hey, you know, both of us are developers. Let's just like code something real quick to solve this problem because our literally our website host would shut us down every night because they thought we were being attacked um, by like a denial of service attack. Right. So we were like, okay, we just have to fix this quick, quick. So we did that. And then uh, we were like, well, we wrote this. So what else would we want? Like, what else could we do to make it, you know, more interesting and useful for our course participants? And so we added progress tracking and little quizzes and things like that. And then people started asking us who were going through my courses, hey, what platform are you using? Like, what, you know, this is so new and fresh and like, what are you doing? And how how can I use the same thing? And that's kind of when that light bulb went off of, okay, yes, other people are having similar issues, maybe not as bad as we were with the crashing websites, but they wanted what we were building. And we knew that we wanted to head in the software space, but we also didn't know what it would be like. So we weren't sure if like the support would be too much for us to handle or, you know, how, how to sell software because it had only sold courses and consulting at that time. And so we decided to create a smaller product, which was called Pop-Up Ally. And it was a polite pop-up. So I know everyone kind of gets annoyed with pop-ups on websites, but it, it kind of can tell if you've already been to the website and kind of only show if you're about to leave and things like that. And so that was our first product that we launched and marketed. And um, again, that kind of came out of the idea of it was a lot of people kept asking us to help them design pop-ups for their website. And I was like, well, I can do design a pop-up because I can code. So I would have to teach you how to code, which is a whole, you know, a huge thing to, to undertake. Right. So if we have a tool that lets you design them the way you want them, that would really solve that problem. And so that first product was a big success. We realized, okay, support is not that bad. We can handle it ourselves because um, we only had one assistant for like five, 10 hours a week at the time. 
Um, and then after that, we realized, okay, yes, we're ready to, to launch Access Ally, which is the, the whole membership and course side of things. And then it's been, I want to say, so 2013 is when we launched uh, Access Ally. And um, it's grown so much now. It does like payments and automation and gamification and all of these buzzwords and things. But um, it's really grown a lot over time. And it's a product that we've been able to basically focus on and just keep making better over time. I love that because there there's so many, um, I don't know, options in that space of course creation and community creation. And I, I love that you came at it from the perspective of somebody who wanted to have a really good course that would that was way beyond just creating the software. It was my course matters. It's helping people be healthier. And, and wow, I, I guess I'm not surprised at the transformation of, and the, um, the path that you took, because I think a lot of the best startups start with their own need. I think so too. Yeah, there's a lot to that um, kind of scratching your own itch, right? Or solving your own problems. And I see that a lot with like an agency, they have a lot of clients with a similar problem and then they write software that solves that problem for all their clients. And they're like, oh, well, I could actually offer this to more people. And then they kind of scale it up from there. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of benefits to knowing what the problems are <laughs> first yourself. And then obviously from there, now we take a lot of feature requests from our customers and, you know, what do their, you know, what are their needs and how are things changing for them over time? So we also do uh, something called a teams feature. So if people want to sell to say a corporate um, company where say they're selling 10 licenses at a time or 50 or something where that person can then add their team members to go through a course and track their progress and all of that. And that's not something we would have thought of doing. It's something that our customers were like, hey, I have this opportunity to sell to uh, you know organizations and schools and things like that. And so we expanded out into that as well. That's I'm I'm again, my brain is just flipping through. I, I describe it as the the hamster on the wheel in my brain, just nonstop. One person described it as a, a reference to the 70s and 80s, the Rolodex, <laughs> flipping through the Rolodex, which a lot of people you know, younger people wouldn't understand that. But um, <laughs> the first thing I thought of is the application of this, not just to software development, or even services that that kind of direct service, because I think about, um, like, in my case, I noticed that when I was at work, the biggest challenge my colleagues had was the crappy leadership, mm -hmm. and the lack of transparency. And in crappy leadership, once you kind of I don't know, drill down into it, it's generally because the leaders aren't really listening and because they don't see the natural talent of the people that they're supposed to be leading or managing. And um, so that's why I got into what I do. It's not because um, I saw it from a distance. It's because I experienced it, especially in public sector and thought, this is what I would have loved, what I would have needed if leaders would have brought somebody like me in to help improve the communication in this team or to run strengths finders so that people understand where their magic is and, and how they can approach a task differently from how maybe their predecessor approached it and still get to the same positive endpoint. So 
I'm thinking, listeners, if you are thinking about what your side hustle might be, what your next iteration might be, even if you end up taking that iteration and working for a different company using that motivation and inspiration, think for a minute about this. Yeah, and I I feel like it's like, um, how can we bloom where we're planted, right? So if we're in front of something, probably there's something we can learn from that situation and turn it into something useful for other people too. So I love the example that you shared. Oh, it's so great. You think about how many people want meaning and purpose in their lives and they hate their jobs or they they don't love their job, which is a, a different thing, but it's just as painful over time. And what they can do with that. I love that. I The analogy bloom where you're planted is huge for me because I live in Montana. And just yesterday I was on a hike and I there's a tree that always catches my attention and it's crooked and curved. It has like this perfect spot to sit and snuggle it, <laughs> which I actually come up and I, I hold the branches of this tree and tell it, thank you. And part of what I love about it is that it is literally growing up and thriving through solid rock. And bloom where you're planted is such a great analogy. So thank you for reminding me of that one. Yes. I'm a fellow tree hugger, so I totally understand. (laughs) (laughs) I know if you had told me 10 years ago, or now I guess longer, because I've been in Montana over 20 years now. But if you told me when I lived in Washington, DC, that at some point I would live in Montana and somebody might catch me gently hugging a tree, I there's no way I would have believed you. (laughs) But at this point, the world can be so discouraging and, and heavy and dark that being out in nature is really my my way of coming back to hope and strategy. Like how how can I, as one individual, make a difference and and lighten that load for 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 the world around me? So, yeah, bloom where you're planted. So when you think about one of those first clients, that um, with the first app that you created where people could come up with this pop-up and then people could either buy something right out of that or sign up for a newsletter, whatever they're doing with that pop-up, the if it's a lead magnet, whatever they're doing with it. When was the moment where you realized that switch had flipped, that you went from not being sure to realizing the positive impact, not just for income, because you know, it always feels good to get that first check or the second check or, you know, the 25th check. But what was it that made you realize that this was in alignment with who you are? I think it's when people were sharing about it with their friends, sort of the word word of mouth effect, yes. because that was like, obviously I can like what we created and think it's cool, but if other people aren't seeing the value and aren't you know sharing it with their friends because they think it's awesome and they need to try it, then I don't know if we created anything, anything great, right? So for me, that was the big um, thing. And so sometimes I would be like in a Facebook group with you know entrepreneurs and things and somebody would say, hey, what pop-up should, should I use? And people would be like, oh, pop-up ally by Natalie Lucier. And I was like, wow, that's amazing like that people recommend us when somebody asks. So I think for me, that was that tipping point uh, beyond the sales or the traffic or like any of the other things that you mentioned. 
there's so much in that story that you kind of pretend isn't a big deal, or maybe you just don't see the details in that story. I would really encourage you to, to go back in time to that moment in the Facebook group in a particular one. Cause yeah, it might've happened multiple times, but there is one or the combination is forming in your brain, the combination of those experiences to create one single story, which that's what our brain does anyway. Um, and so there's nothing manipulative or lying about it. It's just the way that you remember it. So if you think about one of those moments, or again, maybe it's a combination where you're sitting at your desk and you have Facebook open and you're participating in a group of entrepreneurs. And that first time somebody said, Oh, you, you've got to look up pop-up ally because, and the because is has mm-hmm. to be part of it because mm-hmm. Natalie's awesome or because this product changed my business or because their support is so outstanding. And I have a friend that works there. Like, what was it? Because that's the meaningful part of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the word they were using was it's a polite pop-up that you can make it look pretty, right? So I feel like, that, which is kind of what we were aiming for. Um, but I feel like that connected with people. And yeah, they we even had people who were website designers who would buy pop-up ally for their clients, design the pop-ups for their clients, and then hand it off to them so that they could maintain it and all of that as well. So yeah, there was definitely the design element as well as the politeness element. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. The the it's a polite pop-up is what was selling it in, in that group. And I I think more than anything, that demonstrates how in alignment you were, that that's what, what stood out to you was mm-hmm. their comments about the design and the the idea behind it. Oh, I yeah, love that. Exactly. I just got a little chill up my neck. <laughs> that was awesome. Wow. So coming full circle, which, you know, we like to do, (laughs) and you obviously like to do that. You started the whole conversation like that. When we come full circle and you think about that person that, that was you, that you were in that environment that you had to get out of, I know you're providing a different environment for the people just coming out of school so that they don't just give up on counseling, so to speak, you know, in that example I gave or they don't just give up on something they just spent four or more years learning, which can be um, painful in terms of your self-confidence. What do you say to that person that has experienced that layoff where their name wasn't on the board, but the colleague that they've been working with that they felt like was a mentor was that they were leaving? What do you say to them? Yeah, I mean... I feel like sometimes these situations um, open up, open us up for better things, even though it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And I'm still in touch with some of the colleagues from back in the day. Um, and it's interesting, like they all landed back on their feet. I know it was kind of a, a rough time for a while for some of them, but I feel like sometimes the situation doesn't work out for a reason. And I don't want to say like everything happens for a reason, but sometimes I say that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I feel like, yeah, it, it is kind of that way because maybe there's something better waiting for you. And, you know, I definitely took the entrepreneurship path. I know it's not for everyone. Um, and I think also sometimes it, it gives us like, if we're in a tough situation, like or a job we don't like or an environment we don't like, like what can we do to change it or shift it even 
small amounts and small increments, right? And so for us, you know, that four-day work week, that was an idea from one of our uh, employees. They were like, hey, this would be great. And we had already been sort of experimenting with every other Friday off, um, but also kind of compensating with more hours during the week. So when they said we would like to just do four days and no extra time, you know, during the week, we were like, yeah, let's just try it. And I feel like we're sort of all in this weird phase in like the world right now, I guess I want to say where we're trying to figure out what work should look like and how to balance like all the things that we care about from our health, our families, you know, the environment, all of these things. And so if we can just try things that that we hope will, will make things better for all the humans and all the other creatures too, then I think that, um, you know, it's, then that's a positive that we can take out of the tough tough situations. I I appreciate that. And I know um, one of the first questions, people who have the potential to be able to do this for their organization to, to lower their number of hours, the first question that is going to come up was, did you find that in those eight, nine hours, they were productive enough to make up for it because they they knew that they were on a shorter time frame? I do. Yeah. I, I want to kind of compare and contrast. It's been maybe a month and a half-ish or so. So it's not been a super long period of time, but I feel like people are more efficient. Um, and I feel like everyone always has all these things to do outside of work, right? Like whether it's dentist appointments or, uh, you know, just like researching things or whatnot. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's half hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's always stuff that we need to do. And so if we're able to um, just be rested and then have that time to do those extra things outside of work, then I feel like the work, the time that we do put at work is better quality. And I feel like that to me is more important anyways. And I feel like we all have a limit to how much we can do in a day anyways. So it's not realistic to expect to just take those eight hours and fit them into the other four days and try to make them kind of balance out. Um, So yeah, those (laughs) observations from the early days so far. (laughs) Well, I know that my listeners and I will be curious to see how this goes because um, I I believe in that. I know that um, one of the hardest things for me was when I worked for public sector and you had to put in those eight hours or take vacation leave or sick leave or whatever. If you took any time off, you could put in more and get comp time, which was not time and a half because we're exempt as state employees. And the thing that bothered me the most was that I am really efficient and I could get all of what I needed to get done by three in the afternoon. And I just sit there twiddling my thumbs and finding work to do when whatever that was, even if I did have other things that I could start by that point in the afternoon, my brain is kind of not super efficient anyway. So being tied to the desk didn't make any sense to me. And I know there are people that really want to be in the office for that amount of time. They, they feel like that consistency is really good for their brain as a strengths finder coach. I have to acknowledge that there are people who work differently from me. Um, At the same time, I love this idea that you're talking about what should work look like for us. You're not trying to say this is what work should look like for everyone, or it's going to look like this for all of us in this office, even if you don't want it that way. Like just paying attention to how your people work best. I can imagine that that's part of the recipe for the success of your company. 
It is. Yeah. And and it's really interesting too, because we've, we've just kind of finished up a hiring round for those interns that I was talking about, which is why it feels so you know fresh and recent. But a lot of what they were talking about was like, we, we really are attracted to the culture that you're building and to how you treat people and, and, and our ideas. And obviously like education and all of these things like that feels good to like help people who want to spread their, their message and their programs and education to more people. But yeah, I think it really comes down to listening to our people and figuring out, you know, what should it look like, right? We get to decide, (laughs) we get to build the type of company that we want to work for. And if we're not in that situation, if you're in an organization where you don't have that flexibility, how can you push the envelope? How can you be the voice of people who want to make those changes and want to make those improvements um, in a positive way, right? Like it doesn't have to be the, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the, (laughs) gets the grease kind of thing, but I think more people are open to these changes now than ever before. I would agree with that. Definitely. Natalie, this has been such a pleasure. And just for our listeners, tell us about your company, the name, and where people can find more information. And listeners, you don't have to pause this to write anything down. All these links will be in the show notes associated with the podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. All right, Natalie, share what you can Promote promote your work. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So if you are the type of person who has an online course or wants to start a membership or community type of program, then accessally.com is where to go. We've got a little interactive demo if you want to just check it out and see what it's all about and kind of give it a good run through to make sure it does what you want it to do. Um, and then also you can find out more about me at natalielucier.com. And I have a podcast I recently restarted called Off the Charts Business. So definitely go ahead and check that out on all the uh, podcast networks <laughs> if you awesome. want to listen to it. Do you also share content on LinkedIn or Instagram? Yes, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if you just look up Natalie Lucier, I'm happy to connect there too. And I actually deleted my Instagram account a few years ago. Um, and for that was for my own mental health. <laughs> totally understand that. Oh my gosh, I took Facebook off of my phone and it gave me so much relief. <laughs> so I, I totally love it. understand. Yes. <laughs> Natalie, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Sarah. This was great. Listeners, it's your turn. I started this question for you about maybe 10 or 15 minutes into the conversation with Natalie. What can you take on? What can you think about in terms of problem solving where you are now? What is something that you could do, maybe as a side hustle, maybe into the future as you get more experience and build the portfolio of trying it where you are now? being somebody who blooms where they're planted. What problem can you solve? I'll be curious to find out. Please comment or send me an email. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Your stories don't define you, how you tell them will. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile.